So this morning, <clears throat> for me anyway, and this afternoon for you, um, I'd like to continue our uh, discussions, our talks about uh, the, the ten paramis, especially in the uh, in the context of uh, where we are. And as you may have um, gathered, I've been I spoke yesterday about. Um, uh, the way of working um, with giving and with and um, morality or sila, which are the first two paramis as they're listed uh, as they're listed in the in the texts. Um, but I'm going to jump around a bit, and I think Martine has been too. Uh, and today talk about patience, because I think patience is, is one of the paramis that is applicable, not just uh, in daily life, but also um, in our meditation practice. And I hope your meditation practice is going well for you and that uh, you are seeing the true nature of things. So today's speaking about uh, patience and uh, how it might be of help in living fearlessly. So first, uh, just a reading for you from uh, Nikos Kazantzakis, who wrote uh, Zorba the Greek, and this is from Zorba the Greek. He says, I remember one morning when I discovered a cocoon in the back of the tree just as a butterfly was making a hole in its case and preparing to come out. I waited a while, but it was too long appearing and I was impatient. I bent over it and breathed on it to warm it. I warmed it as quickly as I could and the miracle began to happen before my eyes faster than life. The case opened. The butterfly started slowly crawling out. And I shall never forget my horror when I saw how its wings were folded back and crumpled. The wretched butterfly tried with its whole trembling body to unfold them. Bending over it, I tried to help it with my breath in vain. It needed to be hatched out patiently and the unfolding of the wings should be a gradual process in the sun. Now it was too late. My breath had forced the butterfly to appear all crumpled before its time. It struggled desperately and a few seconds later died in the palm of my hand. That little body is, I do believe, the greatest weight I have on my conscience. For I realize today that it is a mortal sin to violate the great laws of nature. We should not hurry. We should not be impatient. But we should confidently obey the eternal rhythm. So we can get through these times, these hard times, and any hard times in life, actually, uh, gritting our teeth for a while. But we need a different quality to make it through. The heart needs to surrender in fearlessness. Uh, these conditions are a marathon, <laughs> not a sprint. We're being told uh, daily that uh, a vaccine is on its way, that uh, first it was maybe later this year, now it's next year. Um, so we are really being called upon to uh, exercise this muscle of patience. The pace of our lives before sheltering in place and the 
pace of business and distraction, masks actually in America, I can't speak for wherever you are, but I know that in America, the, the hectic pace really lacks patience. And I've begin to, I'm beginning to see how much, how more clearly how necessary uh, a quality like patience is. Our contemplative uh, practice rests on a pivot. Uh, and in a way, it's uh, going against the stream uh, of our uh, hustle bustle and quick paced uh, modern times. Uh, sheltering, from, at least for me, has begun to show much more clearly how necessary um, it is to develop this quality of patience. Our contemplative practice rests on a pivot, going against the stream, as we say it in, in Buddhist terms. On the night before uh, his awakening, uh, the Buddha had foreshadowing dreams. And the, in one of the dreams, someone gave him a golden bowl and told him to keep it. Bathing in the river, he took his bowl and he said, if I will be enlightened, may the bowl float upstream. And the, indeed, the boat uh, did flow upstream. So in a way, when we, when we do this practice, that he taught, uh, we're going against our society in a way and against our own mind, our the own, the habits of our own mind. Seeking satisfaction and longing for fulfillment is really human. It's a, it's a human thing to want to be fulfilled and to be satisfied. And usually in the normal orientation, getting something and acquiring pleasant experiences and status and wealth and even knowledge is in some ways the, you know, the, bass ring, the brass ring of our society. So the default logic of our ordinary orientation is my happiness will come from what I experience. So in many ways, we look to the content of our lives uh, for happiness and fulfillment and self-worth. And on the contemplative path, it's a pivot that goes against the stream where we honor uh, the longing for inner fulfillment. And yet as, uh, as, as practitioners, uh, we recognize fulfillment comes from cultivating a different relationship to life. That how we experience things becomes more important than what we experience, the content. And on the contemplative path to make the shift to how am I relating to the world and my own body, we strengthen certain qualities as we move through life with the aim of a deep letting go inside. So the way we pay attention and the way we engage with life is much more important in our practice. And, and when, I, when I speak of practice, I'm speaking of practice not so much as um, uh, the, our formal practice that we do, but an all-encompassing practice that we actually take with us from, from the moment we awaken to the moment we go to, to, to sleep. So practice is a much larger, in a much larger context than uh, sitting down and, and doing the meditation practice. So as we move through life, uh, we have an aim of uh, letting go deeply inside. And our happiness and our fulfillment and our sense of well-being are connected directly to the qualities that we bring to every single moment, to each moment, moment by moment to moment. How we're connected, how we're paying attention, 
how we're living. I know that for many of us, the Dharma is a way of life, how we live uh, and whether we're skillful in response to whatever is happening. And so the deep study in Dharma practice is how we live, we, is how we live our lives rather than trying to control uh, what is happening. Uh, or we could call it uh, the content of our experience. And the first thing we begin to observe when we encounter these teachings is how little control we have over what happens. And certainly the conditions in which we're living right now uh, is a huge lesson in that whatever we expect will happen is not necessarily what will happen. And what we want to happen is not necessarily what will happen, but that uh, we are asked, we're, we're beckoned, we're called to um, see how we meet what does happen. And we know, uh, especially now, that anything can happen at any time, as I said. So the Buddha used bhavana for meditation and i think martine um, martine referred to that in her talk yesterday uh, uh, yeah yesterday so as you know the buddha lived in an ag agrarian society and we understand the context of encouraging planting seeds and bringing forth fruit and if you farmed even a little or even just tend to your house plants, you know that it takes time, it takes patience, and one has to trust the process. It's organic, you can't rush it. You just keep establishing the conditions and the fruit or the flower emerges. I grow, um, I grow orchids, uh, I don't grow them, I, I, I buy them and then when, they, when their flowers fade, I keep them and I encourage them and I water them and I tend to them and I take care of them. Um, so I, I'm, I'm particularly um, sympathetic to the process that we use, the, the process that we undertake when we, when we practice, that it's that this, this, this process of flowering which is what we're actually doing with our own hearts and minds in this practice. Um, takes time, takes care, takes tending. So in choosing the paramis as our theme this week, we're talking about um, a pivot in, in this taking care of our own beings, our own way of being in these particular conditions and, and we know that from our from our flowers that if the soil isn't right there isn't enough water if there isn't enough sun so when we chose the paramis we're talking about this pivot this movement from getting what i want from what what i experience to how am i living and what is my relationship to life and beginning to strengthen certain qualities in that relationship. So in investigating how do I live according to the practice that I'm, um, that I'm so enamored with, the practice that I have some faith in, that I know has made a change in my life, what range of qualities can we bring to bear? Mindfulness gets all the press. <laughs> it's like a leader in, our, in all of our communities now. And it's right out front leading the way and uh, it's as if all of these other qualities come to support it. But there's not one thing on the path. The elegance and the beauty of the Buddha's teachings is it's a way of understanding systems, looking at uh, relationships, it says to free ourselves internally from the prison of our fears 
our anxieties, our neuroses, as well as social anxiety. And we need these different factors working together, um, a constellation of factors that creates the circumstances for the mind and the heart to open. So this list that we're working with, the 10 paramis, um, is uh, one of the lists of the different qualities uh, that we want to uh, create in, in our practice. So considering patience today and possibly determination, we'll see how it goes. Um, we know that, uh, that these lists apply to bringing um, uh, ways of, of uh, carrying out our contemplative practices. What are we living? What are we cultivating? What inner resources can we have to meet the conditions and the circumstances? So we know that repeated patterns from all of the neuroscience uh, um, experiments and, and studies that have been done, that repeated patterns establish neural pathways in the mind. And the more you do anything or, or respond to circumstances in a particular way, the easier it is to respond in that way, whether it's playing a violin or teaching your child or uh, carrying out your own profession, whatever that is. So the cultivation of this garden of the heart-mind is one of sowing seeds of these healthy qualities so they become stronger and more reliable. And as we've been talking about the paramis, what is beautiful about them is that it's not just as you sit to meditation, but as you go about your, this interesting, poignant uh, COVID life. So patience as uh, the quality that we are looking at today is a key energy. When we cultivate patience and combined with resolve, it gives strength and power to the mind. And they work, the two work together to create a, a, a basically unshakable, steady basis for our life. When we think of patience, we may think we're gritting our teeth and bearing it. The mind is tense, it's contracted, it's reaching or longing for the end of something, just waiting for the, uh, for the sound or, or the irritation or the sensation or the situation or whatever it is to end. But that's actually not patience. Patience means engaging in a process that's unfolding as, and this is why I read uh, Cousin Sakis's uh, small, writing on the butterfly in Zorba the Greek, this patience of engage, to engage in the process that's unfolding uh, rather than hurrying nature and thinking that we can do it better, that we can actually meet our needs as Zorba's needs to see the butterfly emerge. Uh, how many times do we in life actually um, rush, the, rush the process because we want the we want to get to the end as, as soon as possible. We're we're anxious for the result. So the true quality of patience is not ignoring whatever our aspiration is. It's engaging in the process of unfolding. So rather than ripping open a budding flower or demanding the caterpillar hurry and get that chrysalis stage over with. We uh, actually engage in this unfolding process. We see how it is. And it's, it's certainly applicable to our situation in, in these COVID times that uh, we don't know when there will be an uptick. We don't know when things will start to open and uh, become uh, less frantic, less urgent. 
So we don't want, we may want to hurry the process, but we want an engaged process. One that allows things to take their time so that things can be resolved well. So patience at its core is a profound way of, um, of living. It's a profound way of uh, coming to relaxation of heart and mind. It's a relinquishing of uh, resistance and a quality of softness, acceptance, surrender, allowing the mind and heart to open with spaciousness uh, for the truth of whatever the situation is, whatever the uh, conditions are. And in that softness, that opening, there is a kind of infinite strength that comes that we can bear with anything. If we uh, exercise the muscles of patience, we begin to understand the ability to um, persist, to bear with whatever the conditions are. It's like the strength of water, which is so soft and so gentle and has doesn't really hold any form yet over centuries it can wear away the hardest stone so patience confers that quality of infinite strength to the heart the strength that i've seen in uh, in our country of nonviolent campaigns to wear down the strength of injustice and oppression. And it has at its core the combination of patience and resolve, determination, which we will also talk about later. So it's the ability to go on, forbearance, bearing with. And uh, in a way, it can also mean forgiveness. I know that's maybe unexpected, but there is a quality of forgiveness to patience. When things aren't going the way we'd like them to, that resistance inside, that moment of letting go of acceptance is like forgiving life for letting us down. And without that forgiveness, how can we be patient? And can we under, actually understand that this idea that life is letting us down is just an idea? that actually we're forgetting that everything proceeds lawfully. So uh, the, the, uh, the root of the word kanti is kam, K-H-A-M, kanti is K-H-A-N-T-I. And kam is, means patient and it also means earth. And this conveys something profound about what is meant by patience. At the core, this very grounded, vast quality is like the earth. And in one instruction that the Buddha gave uh, on patience, on this capacity for, for, for forbearance, he uh, gave the, the instruction to make your mind like the earth, vast, immense and deep. And another image of patience is like a shore around a lake, the image of the earth around this lake. It has that touching, contacting, embracing what is happening, but it's very wide, very open. Uh, there's a line from the Dhammapada, uh, the sayings of the Buddha, that says the perfection of patience is the supreme austerity or the highest perfection. It's a play on words. In India, the tradition, there's a tradition of millennia of spiritual seekers, but in, in the final stage of life in India, uh, what is, what is uh, in, in most of these traditions, the, the final stage is seeking. So there were ascetic practices for millennia. 
and Buddha, the Buddha was playing on this aspect of a culture that values asceticism. He's saying the highest kind of resistance is actually patience. So one of my teachers, Upandita, a monk, uh, a Burmese monk, uh, said that patience paves the road to freedom. Why is it given such a high place? A supreme, a, a supreme ascetic practice. When we're patient, we have space to allow the mind to unfold, to allow the garden to grow. It takes patience for patience time. It takes patience time to unfold. It needs to give the process time. So the patience provides conditions. And one of the primary conditions for things to ripen on the path, to bear what is difficult, to bear when wronged or insulted. And this is the deepest patience, the patience to face the profound truth without fear. So what patience teaches us is how to, um, how to meet the conditions of our without fear. Patience is an essential quality, not just for our meditation, when we calm and steady the mind and then look deeply at experience. And patience is an essential quality for that. But in these COVID times, can we actually develop patience for the conditions in which we find ourselves, whether it's coping with how to work at home in these changed conditions, or how to, uh, how to pay attention to our child that needs attention even while we are trying to work, or to actually be impatient, to see the impatience that we have with being quarantined with having to stay home or to go out or that when we go out we have to wear a mask or we have to pay attention in particular ways that we didn't have to before. The deeper and richer the quality of your quality of, a, of patience, the more readily your mind will settle in whatever experiences you're having. The richer and deeper your quality of patience, the more readily your mind will settle in meditation because that wide open shore of the lake doesn't get rattled when the mind wanders. It says, okay, let's come back. And it's that evenness of patience that coaxes the mind to rest. And so it supports our internal practice of meditation, our shamatha, and the other dimension of insight, looking deeply and examining experience and exploring aliveness and emotions and to have regrets and to feel joyful and to become intimate with experience, to understand whatever its, na its nature is. Investigation requires patience and steadiness. And we look deeply and observe, which takes time. So Georgia, as Georgia O'Keeffe said, no one sees a flower in a way really, and to see a flower takes time, like to have a friend takes time. You need patience to observe something long enough to understand it. And when we can understand it and when we can approach our uh, situation, our conditions with patience, we begin to open. We bringing our observation to practice, to observe life. We can apply patience to explore the difficulties as well as the beauties. So we don't get peace. We give ourselves peace 
through patience by allowing ourselves to be what, with what's happening one moment at a time. And we take this into these circumstances as well as any other circumstances that arise. Can we actually let the heart come to rest, the heart come to some uh, feeling of being open to whatever is unfolding in our lives? So I'll close with a quote from uh, Rilke. Be patient toward all that is resolved in your heart, he said, and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers that will not be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point, the point is to live the questions now. Perhaps you will gradually, without noticing it, live a long distance a long distant day into the answer. So I offer you these words uh, and hope that uh, in whatever situations you are finding yourselves, that you are actually able to um, come with some internal patience, to apply to whatever the external uh, conditions are, the external circumstances are. And that through this, um, through this uh, unfortunate pandemic in which we find ourselves together, that we will actually come out of this uh, with our patience strengthened because it's a quality, not just for meditation, but for all of the circumstances. Joyous, not so joyous, uh, sad, poignant, whatever they are. Um, developing this quality of heart and mind, I think, is of great benefit. So thank you for listening. So I'm really happy to engage with you. Thank you, Phil, for your, um, your appreciation of the, uh, of the quotes. Someone asked for a sharing and someone very, very, Tim, thank you for putting up the uh, quote on patience. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So I wonder how you're all doing with your own, with, with keeping patience, with uh, being with whatever your circumstances are. So from Jackie, could I share a little about how I developed patience? That's, a, that's quite a big assumption that I actually developed it. <laughs> Just because I'm talking about it, I talk about it in a way to teach myself too. Um, so as, as I said, the, the patience gets developed not, uh, not only in um, in meditation, but also in our daily life practice. And um, I have stepchildren and I have a, I have a daughter. And so uh, the only way I think to, uh, to engage with children is really to exercise this muscle of patience because they have a different energy, they have a different uh, way of expressing their curiosity. They have, uh, they have needs that you may not be able to fulfill right away. Uh, you, they have, you, there are all kinds of ways in which um, engaging with children, as those of you who are parents know, 
um, it is uh, a challenge to one to one's patients, but one also recognizes that it's necessary to develop muscle for it. And so, uh, in in a practice way, uh, I think meditation actually the actual practice of meditation is a is a beautiful way of developing patience. Every time the mind wanders away and you realize you've been gone for 35 minutes of a 45 minute meditation or um, or that you know you've made a res resolution about what you want to work with in your meditation and then something else comes up and you want to go back to that other thing because you think it's more important and so I think wisdom starts to um, wisdom starts to 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 show us the way of establishing um, priorities while at the same time being flexible enough to meet what is what is happening despite our own ideas about what should be happening or what we want to happen or um, what might be better to happen that so there's a sense of acceptance with patience uh, of what is true now and in that acceptance of of what is true now, uh, for me, there has been a way of then um, not feeling as if I'm always a cat waiting at a mouse hole, waiting for the mouse to appear, but, but sitting back, understanding my needs what, uh, or my desires and the, my wholesome desires, my unwholesome desires, and being patient with myself as well as so that there's an internal practice as well as an external practice. Can I actually be patient with how my life is unfolding in ways that I would prefer it not to? Uh, I, and I learned a lot uh, when my husband died five years ago. The whole process was one of um, supreme teachings about uh, being with what is actually true right now. Um, and um, I realized that waiting for, waiting for a miracle or waiting for something else to happen other than what was happening was just a way of agitation. And that despite my wishes for him not to die, that uh, the process of life and death was happening uh, not within my control. And so uh, I think patience comes when we start to recognize that and let go of uh, trying to override, our override the, the laws of the universe with our own desires and joining the stream of what is happening while putting our energy into um, hope in, into attaining the best resolution possible under whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. So uh, don't you think we need faith also in order to be patient and bear with whatever is happening. Well, I, I'm not quite sure what you mean by um, by faith, because faith for different people have has different meanings. But I think for me, if I have yes, I think if I have faith in the unfolding of the universe and that it is lawful, um, even though it may not be unfolding in ways that are consonant with my own desires that I can actually accept what is true, because I think that's the first step, is accepting what is true, what is happening, discerning what I may or may not be able to do to get the very best results from whatever is happening. And, um, and then uh, joining with the stream of what is happening and uh, working to make the best possible outcomes, recognizing that 
I may not be able to control the outcomes. It's not that I may not be, that I act, actually cannot control outcomes. But the only thing was uh, that I can actually control, to some extent, even myself, I can't control completely. We, we know that. Um, but to some extent, I can control or uh, modify ways in which I'm responding if it's not bringing the most, um, the best results for everyone involved. The greatest teachings of patience for me have been around significant losses in my life over which I have had no control or control over the length of the grieving and letting go process. Thank you. I understand. How to be with loved ones who are very impatient. One almost absorbs their impatience. I find it hard to maintain my own equilibrium. So we know that famous story in Thich Nhat Hanh's book about um, the people in the, when people were coming from Vietnam in the boats, trying to uh, flee terrible circumstances. Um, he said that when the waters got rough, that if there, in the boats in which there was one person who could remain calm, that those, in, that those boats would somehow not tip over. But if there, but if, there was, if there was a boat in which no one, there was no one, no such person, that many people perished. And so um, I don't know if we're so much absorbing the impatience of others as we are allowing our own impatience, our own patience to um, absorb into whatever situation is so that we can, uh, so that perhaps we can bring that kind of calm to situations that are difficult. Uh, we're, for instance, in this COVID condition right now, in this COVID, these COVID circumstances, where, and we don't know how long it's going to last. We have no idea, especially in America, where, where we're still like a wild west, where so many people aren't willing to comply with what's needed. And so we don't know how the, what the course of this uh, disease is going to look like in the society. So we have a choice. We can either get very agitated about it. And of course we wish for, for this period to be as short as possible, but we know that we have no control over that. So how do we um, in, in some ways relax into what is true and apply this um, wonderful quality of patience that allows us to sit in the difficulty. We know we're trained so well as meditators to sit in the difficulty, to sit when our minds are going a little bit crazy, to sit with it and to not join it in, in that way. And patience in a way is, is uh, knowing that things change. There's wisdom in patience. We know that things change. We know that nothing stays the same. And so we can actually wait it out. An agitated uh, heart or an agitated mind doesn't do anything to make the situation go faster or better. Could you say anything about situations that one can potentially control such as difficult work situations and how long we practice patience and acceptance versus taking action to change this. <laughs> and he says, I know there probably isn't an answer. I was going to, my answer was going to be, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> so, because we don't know, but we can over and over and over and over and over again, remind ourselves that we don't know or that uh, things unfold lawfully is one of the ways that really helps me to withstand difficulty, is to not uh, 
to not try to to force it like like Zorba with the butterfly, but to actually know that in so many instances in my life when I didn't force something, that how it turned out was a delightful surprise to me, because in in some ways all of the causes and conditions that came together came together in a way that was um, much more beneficial, much better than I could have possibly imagined or that I could have possibly forced. So uh, it seems that we're lucky to have so much at our fingertips and whenever we want it, for example, ordering things online to arrive the next day. How good luck with that these days. Access to so much of the, on the internet that this can have an adverse effect on our capacity, our need to exercise patience. I feel like when I was younger in the 80s, 90s, there were more opportunities to practice patience. And what it feels like to be patient due to a less technologically advanced world. This retreat is reminding me that patience really is a virtue. And now I need to cultivate my own opportunities to practice it, as well as appreciate the benefits of a more advanced, in some ways, world. Yes, and in, and in many ways, COVID is um, I think um, teaching us how to practice patience because, because if, we, if we try to rush this uh, the end, to the end of this pandemic, we don't know what the consequences might be. Um, we would love to see a, a vaccine which uh, accelerates our moving back into what we knew sorry, what we knew to be our lives. And yet, in, in many ways, uh, patience really is a virtue. And I think it can be based on the wisdom that we actually don't know what will happen next. We actually can, we have some educated guesses perhaps at what the best uh, resolution of a circumstance is. But we can't, but we can't ever, ever guess what might be the absolute perfect or best resolution. Uh, my, a lot of my, a lot of the times my, my rule in circumstances, especially circumstances that are difficult or my, my wish is that we get a good enough response, a good enough resolution. And so question about how, we, how can we guard against turning patience into hope? Mm, I think that's, I've, I've, I think I've responded to that really by saying patience is not uh, hoping for a particular result. It, we can hope for a particular result, but that is different from exercising uh, the discipline of uh, waiting for whatever situation we're in to resolve itself in the best possible way. And perhaps we have some influence and perhaps we don't. And if we have that influence, we try to make it as benevolent as, as possible. Um, and if we don't have um, any influence, then we are doubly um, we doubly need to exercise patience because we are actually seeing all of the, the way in which we have no control and not having control um, is not what we humans like. But sometimes, uh, but the recognition of it, I think uh, makes our hearts softer and in that softness, it may be possible to perceive the best uh, resolution. Uh, question, do you think there is a place for foregoing patience, <laughs> such as with politicians who fail to address climate change? So having patience is not separate, but it's different from 
the righteous activity. So we can demonstrate, we go out into the streets and we make our voices heard when there's injustice or when there's dangers such as climate change. But we still have the patience to know that uh, these social and collective ills uh, can have uh, a, a beneficial result and we can contribute whatever expertise or love or kindness or compassion uh, to the situation that we possibly can uh, working for and wishing for um, a beneficial result for everybody concerned. And uh, with politicians, you know, um, I'm in America, so I don't even want to talk about politics at the moment, <laughs> but uh, with, with politicians, um, we have, at least those of us who live in democratic countries, in allegedly democratic countries, have the ability to do the work, to vote them out of office and to let them know why they're being voted out of office. Other than that, um, I don't think that foregoing our, our patience actually um, does, much, does much good. As a matter of fact, it may do harm because like Zorba, we're trying to get the butterfly to, um, the chrysalis to, pro to produce the butterfly way too, way too early. So our patience doesn't mean that we um, are in cahoots with politicians who are not doing what, we, what needs to be done for the earth and for people who are in terrible uh, conditions or terrible places, but um, that we let them know and we can let them know with patience, with our own patience. We're not, um, we're not burning our hearts in the process. So I have, so thank you so much for your, your, your notes of um, gratitude. I'm deeply gratitude to be here with you too. Um, so let's just sit for the last um, couple of minutes that we have together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.